1: Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the Be Ball Breakdown Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to click over on the link on the screen or down below in the description to hear the whole audio podcast with my guest today, Jerry Zagoda of the Minnesota uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune. He is the Timberwolves beat writer. And Jerry, thanks for coming on the show with us this morning. You're welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to jump right into it because I wanted to see what the, the latest is. With uh, with Flip Saunders and how he's doing in, uh with his uh, illness.
0: Well, there's been very little word from the Wolves other than the announcement a couple of weeks ago when they they moved uh, Sam Mitchell up to interim coach, um, which is never a good sign. I don't think when you when the family has asked for privacy and they've been very, the organization has been very quiet on it. Things have been moving ahead uh, without him, so I wouldn't suspect that he, um you know. You'll see him around anytime. You know they they said it was going to be months rather than weeks, but uh, you know as quite as this as been, you know I, I'm assuming they just go forward right now with uh, with Sam Mitchell and um, and Milton Newton kind of expanded duties as gen, a gen, general manager and hope for the best uh, with with Flip.
1: Well, I mean, it sounds like the situation could have been worse had they not had a guy like Sam Mitchell who at least has some experience that can jump in, right?
0: Yeah, that probably was one of the reasons that they, they brought him in. You know, at least they, when, when Flip decided he was going to coach as well as be president of basketball operations a year ago, he, he hired both Sam and Sidney Lowe. So he has two guys who have been head coaches before. Um, and then they brought Brian Gates in, who was the uh, Monty Williams assistant at uh, New Orleans. And then Flip's son's uh, on the staff, Ryan. And then uh, Rick Adelman's son, David, is on the staff. So they, they, they think they're still in good shape. You know, it's been seven years since uh, Sam did this full-time. It's changed his philosophies a little bit, but, you know, he was NBA Coach of the Year and did it four and a half years. So for an interim basis, you know, however long that is, you know, that could very well be the whole season. Um, You know, at least they've got a couple guys who've done it before.
1: And was was his diagnosis completely out of the blue recently, or were there indications that there were some issues with his health, like earlier in, like, last season?
0: Well, uh... You know, anybody who saw interviews with him noticed he had this big lump behind his ear, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, people were asked about it, and uh, he always sort of kind of downplayed it. different times, I was told it was a cyst. I don't know what the whole story is. I think people have, you know, tried to get him to to, to get it looked at, and maybe he just didn't. But uh, um, when it was diagnosed as Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, if anybody who saw it thought, okay, that's yeah. that, that probably has something to do with it.
1: Well, let's move on to the actual team and some of the bright spots here because certainly there's a lot to be excited about, I imagine. Um, you know, is there anybody that's going to really surprise you? Or I know it's only been sort of one day of, uh, of, the, of the season getting going, but uh, who do you think is going to surprise us with their development and their play this year? Well, I think probably one guy to watch is uh, Shabazz Muhammad, who
0: we saw him in July. You know, last year he went, he worked with his trainer out in California unconventional um guy uh i think he's based in san francisco frank i i'll I'll butcher his last name matriciano i think okay but uh he went and worked with him and um got himself into good shape and then he got injured last year at the end of the year and then in july he had really bulked up he put on some weight and i think he's probably lost now close to went back and worked uh Worked with the guy uh, the last probably two, two and a half months, and he's probably lost 30, 35 pounds. So he's like 230 now. And um, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's the guy to watch just because he creates such mismatches. I mean, they can play him. They can probably play him a little bit at two. They can play him at three. They're going to play him a little bit at four, even though they already have a bunch of, uh, of power forwards. But he's a guy that you can put with Wiggins. And they work well together because he's so physical. He demands that the other team puts their most physical perimeter defender on him, and they can't put him on Wiggins because he'll just beat the hell out of you. And uh, he'll post you up, and he's just relentless. He's a little one-dimensional, just relentless, you know, going to the basket and scoring. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that means he'll be a starter or if he's your perfect kind of sixth man. But I, I imagine they play him a lot with Wiggins just because... Flip like that combination because you know you couldn't put your big physical guy in Wiggins and try to beat him up because you had to put him on Shabazz huh. and the other guys. I I don't know how his development will come, but th- they'll give him every chance. It's Zach Levine, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they've already got Kevin Martin there at uh, at shooting guard, but uh, uh, they're going I I don't think they're gonna play him nearly as much at point guard. He wasn't really very suited for that, but they wanted to develop him. Thought it would be good for his future. And when they decided last season was about playing for. The lottery balls and trying to get the best player in the draft they could, rather than than winning, they played him a lot there just because, you know, they weren't going to win a lot of games with him running the point guard and not being very very prepared for it. So, but this year I think they'll play more at the two. They want to have you know two guys who can kind of handle the ball and create. They still may you know play him at the one with a guy like Andre Miller. Who knows? So, um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. He's got all the athleticism. He's just got to figure the game out, and how long that takes him—that's that's that's the question.
1: Yeah, I I watched the workout of his this summer, and watching him do a lot of the guard stuff, and uh, you know, certainly you can't argue with his his athletic ability is crazy out out the gym. But uh, yeah, there's definitely some skill that he can continue to develop. So it's interesting. So in some respects, um, rather than sit guys, if they wanted to, you know, get a draft lottery, a draft pick. They just played uh, guys out of position, <laughs> and that helped them keep that uh, keep them on target for that.
0: Well, it was a combination of things. You know, when they decided, when they had all those injuries in November and December, when Rubio went out and Pekovic, and then Martin broke his wrist for for two months, and they said, and Flip just basically said, you know, he never mentioned the the dreaded T word, tanking, but that's you know they they played for the played for the lottery, they traded away Corey Brewer, traded away Mo Williams, and uh, you know played. And then, you know, late in the year, I don't know how, you know, if they'd been in a playoff hunt, if, uh, you know, Rubio and Kevin Garnett would have played, but they, you know, a lot of guys didn't play down the stretch either. So either they didn't play guys or they just, you know, said, hey, we're going to develop Zach and they put him at, at one, even though that didn't help their chances of winning because he was trying to figure, he was trying to figure the pro game out while he was also trying to figure out probably the hardest position to learn how to play.
1: Absolutely, and I'm kind of curious. So, what is the starting line Do you think it's going to be? Have anyone talked about that yet?
0: Well, uh, Sam says it's you know way, way too early. I mean, obviously, you got Rubio. You would assume Kevin Martin, although you know I wouldn't put it by him just to see if they if they say, "Hey, let's we'll see what we got with Zach Levine." Although someone asked uh, um, Martin at Media day, whether I don't know what I can't remember what the word they used wasn't plausible, but you know whether you know that he could he's done both in his career is plausible. He could either either be a starter or a a guy off the bench, and he basically just said no, it's not plausible, meaning he considers himself a starter, and that would be probably an issue with him if if that happened. Uh, Obviously, got Andrew Wiggins who can play some too, but you know if uh, probably in, in whatever starting lineup comes up will be a small forward. Uh, I think they probably play Garnett at uh, power forward just out of deference. You know, he's the veteran, and he's not going to play a ton. He's going to probably play 18, 20 minutes. You start him five, six minutes, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, they have lots of other options. They have uh, uh, Nemanja Bielica from, uh, uh, that they signed from Europe. Uh, not quite sure what they have yet, but he's not your typical rookie. He's 27. They got Adrian Payne there. They've got, um, who am I missing? I'm missing someone else. Uh, but they've got like you know, th- three, four different options. You can play uh, Shabazz Muhammad there. Um, and then you've uh, they've got this Damian Rudez that they picked up from Indiana. And uh, uh, in the Chase Budinger trade, who can play either of the three and four. Mm-hmm. But I would guess Garnett probably starts there. And then um, and then the center, you know, people assume Carl Anthony Towns just because he's the number one pick. I wouldn't make that assumption yet. I think probably... At this point, Gorgie is probably more advanced just because he's played two years. He played in the uh, African Basket uh, Tournament this this summer, and uh, is just a little bit of a head start is stronger. So we'll see how it plays out in camp, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he's the starter for now, even though I'm sure fans will be clamoring for Towns just to see him. But they could very well just bring him off the bench and still play him a lot.
1: Absolutely. I, I feel like what I saw in the summer league with Towns was you know a lot of promise, but certainly you know he's a big—he's a rookie. He's a rookie big man, and I feel like you know rarely do those guys come in right away and uh, and have a lot of success early. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now Bealitsa is a really interesting guy. Did you watch him at all uh, in the uh, tournament this summer?
0: I saw some of the games, and I've seen I've seen him on YouTube, and you know heard about him since they drafted him. They brought him in here in 2010 when he was just like 22 the day after the draft, and then we never really saw him again for five years, even though he kind of, I get the feeling from him, he thought he should have been here all along. But he's here now, and uh, certainly he helps them, because, you know, they have they don't have, last year they didn't have a lot of playmakers, and now he gives them one up front, you know, kind of a point, uh, mm-hmm. point forward. People ask me what, you know, NBA player he reminds me of, and he doesn't really remind me of anybody right now. I mean, he might be a little bit of a poor man's Tony coach for people who are old enough to to. Remember that, but, you know, a guy who was a point guard until he kind of grew too tall and then became a forward, but he still sort of has all those skills. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts. I mean, it takes those guys a while. You know, it took Pekovic. Pekovic was a center, but, you know, it takes him a while to learn how, how fouls are called and to stay on the floor and, to, you know, adapt to American life. But the advantage is, you know, he's not doing it at 22. He's doing it at 27.
1: Right. Well, unfortunately, uh, I am old enough to remember Tony 22 coach <laughs> quite well. Uh, as you are. Now, actually, that that is an interesting question. How long have you been the Timberwolves beat reporter? Well, it depends if you're talking about the first time or the second time.
0: I I did them their their inaugural season, 89, Bill Musselman as coach. Sam Mitchell as a player, I remember when they signed him as a free agent. I'm so old. The summer league wasn't in Vegas. It was in San Antonio. And I remember him signing his contract on the back of the general manager, Billy McKinney, in a hallway before a summer league game. (laughs) And uh, Sidney Lowe was on that team. And um, so I covered them four or five years of their first years of uh, Muscleman and Jimmy Rogers. And then Sid Sid Lowe came in for a while as head coach. And then I missed the whole Garnett era. And then I came back in 07. So this is my ninth season back covering. Oh, uh, wow. You missed, cover you
1: missed the Kevin Garnett era.
0: Yeah, I went, I went and did other stuff. I was done traveling, doing the beat like that stuff. So I didn't. A guy named Steve Ashburner covered him for us during. Mm-hmm. All ten, eleven years, I was doing other, writing other things for the paper, and uh, and then you um, know seven when when uh, the newspapers really started to contract and people started to get laid off and newsrooms shrunk, ours shrunk uh, by a good margin. They said, go back and do the job you used to do and, and be glad you have a job. So I said, okay,
1: <laughs> right. Um, yes, the state of newspapers these days whenever I hang out with a lot of the beat guys, it seems uh you know a little bit uh, uncertain i I suppose is the word you could use
0: yeah it 's just the whole process of everybody trying to figure out how small you have to get to till you find a model that works more online than mm-hmm. you know the days of the days of uh printing uh you know wan ads so thick that you can 't barely lift them off your doorstep and <laughs> And, uh, um, you know, those, those days are uh, long, long gone selling full-page ads for $15,000, $20,000. So yep. uh, well, everybody's trying to adapt and seeing what the new, the new world looks like. I mean, it's, the irony is there's still never been more demand for our product. Everyone just wants it for free, which is problematic.
1: Right. Well, it's funny. I moved into a new house a year ago, and somebody, like I get a paper delivered to my house every Sunday, and it was the strangest thing. I'm like, I, I I hadn't seen a newspaper in a long in a while, and uh, people like still are out there in the mornings delivering them. I had to imagine in Minnesota, you know, this, the, the the population is probably still a little bit more traditional as far as wanting the newspaper. I I, I would think, but um, well, you know, let's focus a little bit on on because I feel like uh, I wanted to hear what his update is and what what you know if he's going to be healthy anytime soon. Well, that's the that's the big question,
0: and uh, you know I've become sort of the the skeptic. Until you see him, I you know I'll I'll never count on him. I mean they they he he isn't uh, ready for. They had he had surgery. They shaved down uh, on his Achilles bone. Hopefully that would solve the problem he had with all the split pain that was bothering him the last two or three years, and uh, he won't be ready to to get on the court in the preseason he said he might hope he hopes to start running in five weeks which would be about the start of the regular season when they open the season October 28th in LA against the Lakers and he was hopeful that he'd be back playing by um by December from what I'd heard you know if he if he's back before New Year's that's that's probably the be, the best case uh somewhere so and then we'll see you know how much he can play what kind of shape he is in um you know he's, he, he may be, well, they said this last year that they wanted, you know, just to limit him to 20, 25 minutes a game in a limited role because they didn't want to push it. And then when he was able to play, then they played him 35 minutes a game and then it got aggravated again. So, huh. I mean, they've got, other, they've got other options now. they got Jing, they've got uh, Towns, you know, you could play even Garnett, even though he doesn't like playing center, you could play him a little bit there. Uh, they'll play Payne there probably a little bit if you go to a small lineup. So you don't have to play him a a ton. I mean, the problem is he's still owed three years and almost $36 million. Now, that's not quite as bad as it would otherwise seem because they still got a bunch of guys who are young on rookie contracts. But it's you know, certainly not ideal to be paying a guy that who's, who can't play.
1: Well, I also think that paying a guy that if they want to trade him, which I would imagine if he came back and was playing somewhat well, they might look to move him so they can get town some more minutes.
0: Yeah, if they can, I mean, the other the thing is at some point you'll probably be able to just, that, trade that contract. But, you know, if you can't play, you can't trade it. Not, not with three years left, but, you know, maybe with a year, year and a half left, you can guys get traded with big contracts like all that time. And by then, that contract might not seem that big anyway. So um, you could trade it in the right kind of deal. But, yeah, I mean, the worst, the best case scenario is they, they get him healthy and uh, Towns comes along and Zheng comes along and, and they, they can trade him, But uh, that's still a ways off.
1: Uh how about Ricky Rubio's health? Is he all set to go and ready to play?
0: Well, he said uh, the say he's not 100%, which means he's he was only cleared. He had surgery too in uh, April on that ankle and he's um was only cleared for 5 on 5 full court about a month ago. So I think he's kind of still playing himself into shape. Uh actually got to see practice which we never do because NBA TV televised it yesterday and he looked like he was moving fine. So um now the question is that shot and is it any better? You know, does it look any different? It didn't really look so, so much to me yesterday, but uh, that's, that's the question on, on him. And, and, uh, you know, he's got all the other things you want from a point guard, pretty good defender, uh, great vision, you know, on this team, especially when you had a guy like Towns, and then you had a big guy who can run with all the other athletes. They've got Levine and Wiggins and Shabazz, you know, his, uh, I know they want to push the ball and, uh, we'll see. I, I know, uh, Sam Mitchell was pretty hard on uh, Jose Calderon when they were in Toronto. We'll see how he handles uh, Ricky.
1: Um, now, what was that like? Were you able to be in the gym while they were filming it? Or when you said you saw practice, you were just watching it on TV as well? No,
0: we, we watched it on TV like everybody else. They they always closed practices down here. They allowed me. It was unbelievable, the production, the, the crew they brought in, and all the equipment to televise the practice. But uh, <laughs> basically, I was sitting in another
1: room next to the gym watching it on TV. And uh, did anything you know jump out? I watched a couple minutes there on NBA TV, and it was interesting because yeah, you, you rarely get to do that. Um, anything jump out at you the way uh, they were responding or playing to uh, to Coach Mitchell?
0: Uh, just you know, Sam seemed uh, pretty relaxed. I kind of watched it in, in, in bits and pieces. I've taped it. I got to go back and watch the. The whole thing, but it seemed, I mean, the thing about it was I think they went, they may have went the whole time, but they went at least close to two hours without even picking up a ball and doing anything offensively. It was all defense, for, which I guess is understandable for the team that was last in the league in defense last year. So um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that will be a huge emphasis throughout the preseason, and uh, we'll see how how Sam attacks it, what philosophies, what, what strategies he uses, but it certainly is going to put a... A uh, good bit of time into it, and um, um, and I don't know, maybe he didn't maybe he didn't want to give any of of his offensive secrets away to a national audience. <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, they're they're just starting this camp. You know, the, the, they went about three and a half, close to probably four hours by the time it was done, and and they're doing one a days, not two a days. So they're going to be doing that all week.
1: Ah, uh, well, I mean, because obviously, yeah, their defense was, was ranked last in defensive rating, but however. Their offensive rating was 25th, so that wasn't so uh, so great either. Uh, sounds like he's got his work cut out for him. Uh, so, and Coach Mitchell wasn't there last year. So, what, the interesting thing is, is is he going to try and sort of keep the boat floating with what they did, or is this like a complete revamp of uh, all the all the offense?
0: Well, he was Flip's top assistant last year. So oh, he, he was
1: there. Um, oh, forgive me, he yep. was there last year, right?
0: Yeah. So he coached a couple games. There's one time Flip was sick, and then one time he. Flip was with his dad, and uh, who was ill in Cleveland. So he coached a game in Toronto, and he coached, I think, another game here in Denver. So, but uh, you know, he said that you uh, sort of just assumed that he'd come in with all the stuff Flip had put in. But he said Flip really didn't leave him a book or an instruction this summer of what they were going to do. That this is a different team. You know, this isn't last year's team. So mm-hmm. I get the impression talking to him that you know he's going to put in because he, he played for flip you know he's going to run some of that stuff but there's distinctly going to be a lot of his own things so it's not going to be like he's just you know like uh the stand in for the night on the broadway play for the guy who, for the actor who can't do it for an evening that you know it, that uh it, it's going to be a good bit his philosophies and he says you know some of the stuff you look at you'll see familiar from from flips um, playbook and some of it you won't, but that it won't necessarily be all the stuff he, he ran in Toronto because 'cause it's been seven years since then and he was in the media, he was doing stuff for T S N in Canada and he was doing stuff for Sirius XM. So he said he watched a lot of basketball and <clears throat> developed a few uh you know new philosophies so he's gonna borrow from that and uh, and Okay. You know, said, said if he ever if he ever did this job again, you know, I might do I might do this differently. So so we'll see what those things are.
1: So he's not going to pull a Byron Scott and say, uh, we're only going to shoot at 12 three-pointers a game. (laughs) No, I mean, he's a little bit, I, I did ask him if he knows,
0: if he, if, uh, if he does know that a three-pointer is worth more than a two, because there's a certain segment of fans here, people in the analytics was convinced that Flip hated threes and, uh, you know, that the game had sort of passed him by and, uh. Sam is sort of from his same school saying, yeah, you know, I want to take threes, but I want guys who can shoot them. So he has a certain criteria that I don't know what the exact numbers are, but in practice you have to make a certain number, you know, just on your own, no defense before you're qualified to, to be able to to shoot three-pointers. So they're not just going to be chucking them up now. It's not, not going to be just all layups and three-pointers, but he says they, they they recognize the need that they need to expand that more. I mean, they... They still probably need to change the personnel to do that a bit, but you know they've got Kevin Martin who can who can shoot a three. The problem is you know Ricky who's um, still challenged with his shot. So there's one position there that uh, you're kind of hurting to, to begin with. But then you know you've got you've got Kevin Martin. They hope Zach Levine and, and Wiggins can. Uh, Develop that part of their game more. Uh, um, They envision uh, Adrian Payne as kind of being a stretch four who can shoot the three. But uh, you know, in the year next coming years, they probably need to add a couple more shooters.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I get into arguments a lot with um, analytics guys from as a coach. And by the way, I I love threes as as much as anybody. But um, I I, sometimes they kind of default to to thinking that. Well, you know, if he can make the 18 footer, all he's got to do is back up behind the line to shoot it, and whatever the percentage that goes down will be worth it. And uh, it doesn't really work that way in a fast paced NBA game where that shot is a long shot, and you need to be extremely comfortable shooting it before you're going to start to catch and shoot and get that shot off in a game. And it's, you know, it sounds like, um, you know, maybe even in Minnesota, like the fan base or whoever is going to criticize that doesn't quite understand that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it looks it's looks good if you just look at it in terms of numbers, and you know, and then you turn on a you know, a computer and you're an expert. But the game is, like you said, the game's played differently, and you know, the whole flow of the game. You got guys start checking up shots, even if you know they make it once out of, you know, uh, you know, even if they make twenty eight percent, that that equates to forty percent of the two or whatever the you know the mathematics are of it. It's still a different thing in the in the game, and you know, I. I still think there's room someplace in the game for the, for the mid-range jump shot, even though some people will Oh, know, my whatever. God.
1: You're, be careful, Jerry. You're I know. out of
0: town. <laughs> Although, but the, 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 the interesting thing, uh, uh, well, you know, is that that's basically all that's left of Garnett's game. They bring him in here, and that's, you know, he's now a kind of a 15- to 17-foot jump shooter. He'll post up a little bit, but uh, that's his game. It kind of goes against the modern NBA game.
1: Oh, Mid-range has now become anywhere between like six feet and twenty-two and a half feet. I I, I don't know how that happened, but yes, the, an open fifteen footer has become a four-letter word, and uh, you know for a, a distinct amount of the population of the NBA, that that would be a much more preferable shot uh, than jacking up a three. Let's talk about Kevin Garnett for a little a few minutes because um, you know obviously it's been great to to have him back. I'm sure everyone was really excited to have him back. And is, is he really the, the real, real deal veteran in the locker room, arm around the guys helping them? Is that really, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it, it sounds like there's anyone who's going to really be that guy. It's him.
0: Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, all these guys, they've, they've brought Garnett in, they've brought Andre Miller in, they brought Tayshaun Prince in. As much, you know, for being on in the locker room and on the court, these guys are still little professionals. I mean, think, they all still think they can play. So, I mean, I, I know, I think, Garnett knows he's not going to play 30 minutes a game, but we'll see how this all works. You know, if, if indeed they all can stay happy, you know, if they start off well and things go well, then everything's fine. You know, but if things get in a tough spot, we'll see. You know, just how um, Sam, I he did surprise me a little bit when I talked to him before the season for kind of a question and answer thing I did for for our Sunday paper. I uh, of how much he was just saying, hey, we're going to play the young guys. So, you know, they're not going to learn if I, you know, and, and you know, I. I thought he'd say, or I'd assume that they're going to use these three veteran guys, you know, you put them on the floor, probably not all three of them at the time, at the end of the games, but to settle yourself down and make the smart decisions. Absolutely. And he said he'll probably do that, you know, from time to time, but he wants to play the young guys and let them, and let them, let them learn. So, you know, we'll see how that happens if, you know, that means they're losing and we'll see, you know, how the Martins and the Garnetts are doing if, you know, they're still playing and. More of a diminished role than they they have been in, in their careers. You know, I, I'm still not convinced it works perfectly smoothly, but we'll see. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I would probably be frustrated if I was watching and I saw you know Kevin Martin taking a lot of uh, minutes from Zach Levine or you know uh, any of the other centers. Now, uh, actually, I guess the only center that I'd be concerned with as far as taking minutes from young guys is Pekovich who's. Who isn't coming back that quickly? Because again, you know, you have a lot of young big guys that need, you know, need that more time. Jang I think could be a really good player. You've seen, I think we've seen some some glimpses here where he could be a real defensive force, right? Well,
0: the things different about him now is, you know, they were they were bad defensively, but they never really. I mean, they've had Jang the last couple of years. But they've never really had shot blockers. Now they got two. You got Towns who can cover a lot of ground. You got Jang who can block shots. And Payne's not really a shot blocker, but he's going to alter things. He's long enough where he can change things. So they've got guys who now, you know, who can protect the rim. They were hor- you know, they've were, they always been a bad perimeter defensive team, but uh, it helps when you've got, you know, a couple guys back there who can, who can block shots and uh, they can do it. Now, the thing about, you know, Sam saying, hey, we're going to play the young guys. This team forever has been always about, Two or three years from now, you know, we're playing for two or three years, and it, it always kind of d- diminishes expectations. At some point, you got to say, let's try to win, you know, mm-hmm. um, wh- whether that means 38 games, 40 games. You're not going to probably make the playoffs this year. But, I mean, yeah, okay, if you keep Kevin Martin and play Zach Levine over him, there's no question Kevin Martin's the b- far better player at this point. I mean, the guy's been in the league 12 years. I mean, he has his limitations, but for what he does, his efficiency um, you know, if you're going to play Zach a ton, then you probably got to do what you did with you know Corey and and, and Mo Williams and move him on because I doubt he's going to be happy here uh, playing behind a of guy who's trying to learn. It, 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 that's interesting to see what kind of message when you have a roster like this. You know, eight guys 24 and younger, and then four guys 32 and older. You risk losing the older guys if you're just saying, "Hey, we're just going to play and develop, develop," which means we're going to get our heads beat in every night.
1: Yeah, I can imagine, although it sounds like at the very least some of those guys must be on board and, and understand, you know, that's the deal. Um, when Rick, Rick Adelman left a couple seasons ago, uh, how acrimonious was that? Uh, um, With who? With, with Rick Adelman. Like, was was it a, I mean, did he just step down? Did they fire him? I, like, how, I was never no, really I that think clear. No, I think he
0: just realized that, you know, what he had signed up for wasn't going to, kind of come to be, I mean, he was, I don't know what his age was, he was close to 70, and uh, I think he had one year left, I think he could have come back, I think he had the option, mm-hmm. but the the writing was of on the wall, Flip had, had come in, and, you know, Flip always as a coach, even on the day Flip was hired, it asked if he was done coaching, and he wasn't very convincing in his answer, so I think I think Rick was ready to go, I mean, you know, he had come in here thinking with love and all that, um but, you know they had a chance with uh ricky coming in ricky basically arrived at the same time as rick did and just you know when they were putting it together that first year they were they were playing pretty well i think they're about 500 they get to march and ricky gets hurt uh tears up his knee then they have the whole thing with the love contract where david Kahn ticked him off with and, and glenn taylor the owner by not giving him the five years and then it became more obvious you know as time went on that love probably wasn't going to be long for this organization. And, you know, I think uh, Rick just realized, hey, it's, you know, he probably could have exercised his option. I'm, I can't remember now maybe if it was a mutual, if the team had an option too, but, you know, come back for that next year. But I think at that point he'd, he'd had enough and, uh, you know, he'd, uh, he was making $5 million a year for three more years and he got his sons both jobs in the in the organization. And uh, I think he just thought it was time. I don't, I don't think it was really acrimonious. I think it was just time that, you know, the the vision that he had of a Love and Rubio thing wasn't going to work out, and it was going to be a sort of a new age with Flip coming in, replacing David Kahn, and it was time to go back to, to Oregon and, and play with his grandchildren.
1: <laughs> I, I, that sounds nice, too. Uh, now, you travel with the team, and you get a chance to see, you know, the rest of the, the, the league. Uh, you know, if we, you're not, doesn't it sound like you're certain, like, are, do you think that they're going to compete for a playoff spot, or, and if not... You know who do you think is going to, going to end up being in that sort of seventh, eighth spots?
0: Well, I thought you know, uh, I, I thought early in the summer that there might be a chance that they could be sort of like a New Orleans. You know, if everything, if they got their health, which they haven't uh, been able to do. The, the one thing that uh, that Flip did uh, before he took his leave of absence is from his time in Detroit, he went out and got Arnie Cander, the uh, physical therapist the strength coach, whatever you want to call him, kind of a guru, this guy with all these kind of ointments and home remedies and contraptions whose NBA players swear by, so maybe he can help keep this uh, team healthy. And I thought, but, you know, if they could stay healthy and with this kind of mix of veterans and young players, you know, they're they're not a 16-win team. I mean, they they played to be a 16-win team because they went out of their way to do it by the, you know, the people they rested, the people they traded. And I thought, you know, maybe they could be like New Orleans, and being kind of the hunt for the playoff. And if things turned right at the end, that maybe they'd get in. But now with all the whole flip stuff, it just leads me to believe—not that I believe in curses, but you know, just that you gotta temper stuff with this organization. That things never go as smooth, smoothly, as smoothly as you think they might. You know, just when you think things are going, then this kind of comes up. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll work out. Maybe Sam will be a great success and things. But you know. Uh, if, if they can get probably somewhere in the 30s uh, for victories and um, show the, the, this thing in the upswing, that's probably a, a good season. You know, you are in the West. I mean, you look at it, you've got about six teams just off the top of your head you know are pretty much going to make the playoffs unless they have injuries like Oklahoma City did last year. And then you've got, you know, there are some teams that aren't going to be what they were, Portland, uh, among them. But, uh, you know, to think that the Wolves are going to jump up into that seventh or eighth spot that's... Um, that's probably a pretty big leap in in one year, you know, two, three years, yeah, but uh, probably not this season,
1: yeah, I mean it's going to take forty seven forty eight wins probably minimum, so uh it's, it's hard to imagine them getting up to there, but I don't know I, I'm looking at this, at this at the roster and uh there you know there there is some weird path I can envision where you know th- those guys are young and energetic, and in those march games when the veterans are you know kind of dogging it a little bit, uh you know they steal a game here or there, who knows they can make a little noise so I certainly would be optimistic uh, at the very least, and I think this is uh, this feels a little bit more like I could see a clearer path for the Timberwolves than I could for, for instance, the Sixers. Oh yeah, the Sixers are still
0: you know a, still a mess. They're still just accumulating assets. At least with with this team, you can see they're being put together. You know with. Uh So players, I mean, they still got issues. They got to figure out. They got to, you know, figure out is Ricky the answer at the at the point guard? Can you get away with a guy who can't shoot and score in this league that's dominated by scoring point guards? Got to figure out exactly where Towns plays. Um, But uh, you know, that I I think by and large, the people in the league are overlooking this team, thinking that this is a 16 win team and they're going to win 20 games this year. And I don't see that unless you know they get hurt again. I I think the talent here is better than that. I mean, Wiggins. I mean, you just look where this franchise was a year and a half ago and, uh, you know, Love was kind of holding them hostage with a gun to their head. And even if he had resigned here, that team was probably, unless you found a way to get a guy, a player who was probably, you know, a number one guy, because I don't think Love on a, you know, a playoff team or a a title contender is your top guy. He's probably your second or third guy. You know, they weren't going to probably go anywhere other than the playoffs. And all of a sudden... LeBron goes back to Cleveland. You're able to leverage Love to get Wiggins, um, and then you uh, play the season out. And for the first time in your history, you get lucky in the lottery and you get Towns. And all of a sudden, you got not just two guys who are number one picks because you know there have been, you know, Michael Olo-Candy and uh, you know other guys who are number one picks. Uh, you know, Anthony Bennett who probably didn't deserve to be. But I mean, these are guys who've been talked about, you know, Wiggins and Towns since they were 13, 14 years old, 15. And usually those guys turn out pretty good in the league.
1: You know, I, that, that was the elephant in the room I didn't even bring up quickly, which was uh, Anthony Bennett getting cut. Was that, was that a surprise to you? Well, I wouldn't have done it if I was them just because, I mean,
0: you don't cut Anthony Bennett because you've got Kevin Garnett, you know, and, and I don't think they're saying they're, they're doing that. I just think they decided that, you know, they, they're invested in, in Payne because they still owe the Hawks the number one draft pick for him. So to say we're going to choose Bennett over Payne, then all of a sudden you've kind of wasted a first round pick. Now you can say hey, they they got him in the trade and you're getting rid of him already, but you know, the prize of that trade was Wigan. So I think they can that's sort of how 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 they rationalize that. And I just think they thought there were too many other guys they 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 signed Belitza. Um they uh you know they, they have Payne, they've got uh, uh, Garnett, there. Um, you know they've got they've got other options there. And Bar- uh, Bennett basically came to them and said, you know, can you get me out of here? He, obviously, he wanted to get to Toronto, and uh, they oh. saved themselves a little over two million dollars in salary. Doesn't make any difference on the cap. But they saved it out of their pocket, which anyone who's followed this team and see their history of selling second-round draft picks, money is important to, mm-hmm. to Glenn Taylor and to, and to this team. So um, I wouldn't have done it just because of the fact of, you know, the guy's 21 years old. You can't, anyone who says he's a bust is an idiot because you can't – I mean, these guys take a while to, 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 to figure it out. He, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been a number one overall pick. You know, Cleveland surprised everybody and picked him there. But the guy still has a uh, great athlete, and uh, you know you just hope he kind of figures it out. A lot of times, it takes these guys bouncing around, you know, going to China or Europe, or you know, getting um, you know, so- uh, socked in the gut and getting cut or traded before they they figure it out. And you know, in two or three years, they yeah they may end up regretting it. But right now, they just said, hey, we've got other options. He wasn't going to play that much, and. Uh, they they said it was sort of mutually bene, uh mutual benefit.
1: Well, I will say that uh, doing a podcast, having you come on, was certainly mutually beneficial to to me and my audience because uh, terrific stuff that you brought with uh, to the show. So I can't thank you enough for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have to check in with you later on in the season and see how uh, how these predictions are going to play out.
0: Yeah, it's going to. I mean, it's, it should be, if nothing else, intriguing to see. I mean, this is a this is a team. When you travel with them, it's going to be it's kind of like a rock show because you've got you've got Wiggins and uh, I mean Ricky on his own is uh, attracts all kinds of attention wherever you go. And then you got Wiggins, then you got Towns, then you still, you know then you've got Garnett. So uh, I mean, um, I think people they may sell a few league pass subscriptions just for people who want to watch this team. And certainly on the road, they're going to be popular.
1: And I promise I'm going to do a few Timberwolves games this year when I break them down. I, I think I was remiss. I don't know if I did one last year. Somehow it fell through the cracks. So I promise I'm going to get there because certainly Ricky Rubio is one of my favorite players. I love to watch him play. And, uh, and uh, the way he passes is great, but his defense is terrific too, and he doesn't get enough credit for that for some reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, there are some people here who think he's like the best defender in the league, and he's probably not as a point guard. He's probably not. But he is a good help defender. He's very active. He's a good team defender. You know, he gets in a lot of lanes, he's a lot of steals. Maybe gambles too much for their, for their taste. But uh, you know, they're going I think they're gonna be more aggressive this year. I think they're gonna want to try to use their athleticism and try to. We'll see if it works. But I think they're gonna try to really, really force things uh, defensively, and uh, we'll see how that works out.
1: Well, terrific stuff. And uh, tell us how we can follow you on Twitter.
0: Uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, Jerry Zagoda, just J-E-R-Y-Z-G-O-D-A, it's the Star Tribune, or you can just go to StarTribune.com, uh, backslash Wolves, it take you to, to all the, 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 the wolf stuff of, of video and stories and, and all that.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Jerry. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jerry? STORES.